And well, Philippians chapter 2, uh, we're going to hear about someone today who we're probably not extremely familiar with. You probably have heard his name, but his name is Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus, and he was an associate of Paul's. He ministered in the church at Philippi and went between Philippi and Rome while Paul was in prison. Um, this letter was written um, during Paul's first Roman imprisonment. Um, it's a part of the collection of books that we know as the prison epistles, um, and so um, that, that includes Philippians, it includes Philemon, uh, Ephesians, and Colossians as well. So Paul is in Rome, um, home base for uh, Epaphroditus is in Philippi, but Epaphroditus is now with Paul. And the thing I love about this passage and, and Epaphroditus is that we don't know much about him. From what we do know in this passage, it's the only place where we hear about him, um, we know that his ministry was significant but what we also see is that his ministry wasn't as prominent as Paul's. And what I love about this picture and how Paul describes Epaphroditus is that it doesn't really matter how uh, prominent Epaphroditus' ministry was. What was important is that it was given to him by the Lord and that he was faithful to carry it out. And that's what matters in the kingdom of God as we serve him. It doesn't matter about prominence, and sometimes, yes, the Lord blesses individuals with a, a more prominent ministry. It, it happens. But the most important thing to the Lord is that we're faithful to do whatever he calls us to do. Now, Edward Kemble is a name that you might not be familiar with, but he held a pivotal role in the life of a household name, and yet his ministry, it wasn't widespread still it remains significant. And that's the title of today's study, Significant Selfless Service. Now, Edward, he wasn't an itinerant preacher. He wasn't a famous pastor. He was actually a dry goods salesman who happened to serve in his local church, Mount Vernon Congregational Church. Now, during this time that Kimball served there, there was a young man who was hired by his own uncle to work at a shoe store. And for terms of his employment, his uncle said, uh, you need to attend church. And so he, he attended Mount Vernon Congregational Church. And this young man, his name is Dwight Moody. And what we know is that Edward Kimball was just a faithful man in the field that he was called to. And, and we know the prominence of Dwight's ministry after he was saved and all of the things that the Lord used him for. Let me read to you a quote. It says, feeling especially burdened for a very lost Dwight, he determined to visit him at the shoe store where he worked. He was feeling the tug of the spirit to tell Dwight what Jesus had done for him on the cross. Kimball's fears flared up at the door as he thought of reasons not to pursue his mission. However, he did go in and found young Dwight in the back room. Later, Kimball would say, I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. And we know the ministry of Dwight Moody and, and the prominence that the Lord allowed him to. Prominence isn't something that's bad or wrong. The Lord allowed Dwight to have a very prominent ministry and he ministered faithfully. I think that's the key. He ministered faithfully what was given to him by the Lord. But also, Edward Kimball was faithful to do what God had called him to. He served in that Sunday school class and he had an opportunity to preach the gospel and share the gospel to a lost teenager. And it's amazing to see what the Lord went on and did through him. 
But as I contemplate this, and this is why I really love this passage here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 25 down through 30. The question that, that comes to my mind when I read this story about Edward Kimball and Dwight and Epaphroditus and Paul is that Paul and, and Dwight, in, in a similar way, just as we construct this, had, had a more prominent ministry. But Epaphroditus and, and Edward, they, they didn't. They had a more concealed role. But in the sight of the Lord was Moody's or was Epaphroditus's or, or Paul's ministry more important than that of Epaphroditus or Edward Kimball. I would submit to you that both had great significance in the eyes of the Lord. Certainly, one was more prominent than the other. But what we're going to see of Paul's description of Epaphroditus is that Epaphroditus was just faithful to do what was before him, just like Paul was. And, and that's so important for us. We just need to be faithful to do what God puts before us to do. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what the scope of the ministry is. What matters to the Lord is faithfulness. What matters to him is just being, being faithful to day in and day out, lay our lives down before him and say, Lord, what do you want to do with me today? What is it that you have called me to? And to position our lives to go on and move forward in that significant, selfless service. Because I think sometimes we can have an overemphasis on the ministries of itinerant preachers and pastors of megachurches and international ministries. And if they are doing the work of the Lord that they've called them to, Lord bless them. That's wonderful that they have that. But what does God think about the faithful pastor of a country church of 20 who's preaching the gospel and the word faithfully? I think it's just as significant in the eyes of the Lord as perhaps a missionary who travers, traverses the Himalayas to the remote villages and, and preaches to a couple people at each village that they stop by. Just as significant is that to the Lord. And, you know, as we call them here, toddler chasers and baby holders and people who open the door to greet and, and serve uh, refreshments in, in the lobby and help us get seated in here I believe whatever the ministry, far-reaching or not, both are significant in the eyes of God, and he just wants us to be faithful. There's some names like, like Epaphroditus. Some of these we're more familiar with, but like Barnabas and Silas and Timothy, Titus, Stephen, Tychicus, Gaius, all of these people that we read about and more throughout the, the New Testament, we don't know much about them, but what we do know is that they were faithful and that the Lord uh, was pleased with their faithfulness. So as we study through this passage, I just encourage us this morning, we need to be faithful to do what God calls us to and, and not place an overemphasis on a prominent place of ministry, but place the emphasis on what the Lord does and being faithful to do what he's given and gifted us to do. So let's read there in verse 25. We'll read the whole passage and we'll make our way through. It says, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on, on him only, but on me also lest I should sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life 
to supply what was lacking in your service to me. So in the first few verses, verses 25 through 28, we see very practically, and they're at the very tail end, that Epaphroditus was sent out by the church at Philippi to meet Paul's need. It was a very practical need. And this church supported Paul financially and came and brought an update to Paul about the ministry there in Philippi. And I love there in verse 25 how Paul describes Epaphroditus three ways. He says, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier. And I love how he describes these three different relationships. That first, my brother, which really shows that close relationship that Paul had with the people that he ministered to, and specifically Epaphroditus here in this, in this passage. They were both, in Paul's mind, they were both children of God, and it's true that that's the case. They were heirs of the same promise and the same inheritance. And so Paul, he didn't view Epaphroditus as some lower. He didn't view him as um, one who was beneath him, but as a contemporary, one who was serving right alongside him as a brother in the Lord. And I love that description because it shows just the, the love and the care that, that they had for one another and the closeness of relationship there. He also describes Epaphroditus as a fellow worker. And it carries the idea that they were both engaged in that same labor of love. I like how Paul describes that in 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, as he's writing to the Thessalonians. He's just really encouraged by their faith and how they were serving the Lord where he called them to. And so he was just encouraged by them walking in that, that labor of love. They were working alongside Paul. And the same thing here with Epaphroditus. They were laboring along together in the white unto harvest fields, taking the gospel. Now Paul, again, a more prominent role in that as he moved from city to city, preaching in the synagogues and meeting with the Gentiles, giving them the gospel. But Epaphroditus also in coming to support and the church at Philippi also supporting Paul in this endeavor. They were both workers in that same field taking the gospel to the nations and edifying the body of Christ. Paul saw him as a valuable tool in the ministry of the gospel. And he also says he was a fellow soldier. And this shows how Paul saw that they were engaged in the same spiritual conflict for souls and saints. Both Paul and Epaphroditus, they were both engaged in this, and that they were walking as strong soldiers in the Lord as they marched forward in the, the orders that Commander Jesus had given them to walk in. Epaphroditus is a messenger from Philippi, and Paul as the minister to the Gentiles as God had called him. And I love this because you see this word fellow, right? My brother, a fellow worker, fellow soldier, Paul saw that Epaphroditus was a faithful man and was valuable in service to the Lord, and they served together. He loved this man, and, and this was a faithful brother who was uh, faithful to what the Lord had called him to. Now, in as much as Paul was on the front lines preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, so also was Epaphroditus partnering in that ministry. By, by bringing support from the church at Philippi. And while his ministry looked different than that of Paul's, the goal was the same, saved souls and an edified and strengthened church. While their assignments were different, 
The opposition was from the same enemy, and they were engaged in the same spiritual conflict. And, you know, as we look around the room here, just seeing the brothers and sisters who are around you today, we are all serving together the Lord. We are engaged in that, that same conflict, and likewise, we should have that same heart that Paul has. We're in it together. We're on Team Jesus together. We might be serving in, in one ministry and, and you in another, but together we are marching forward in what the Lord has called us to and are each in our areas that he's gifted and called us to serve. But we have one mission to see souls saved and, and the church to be built up and to be edified and others to be sent out in like manner. We're together. We're fellow workers. We're fellow soldiers. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord, sharing that same inheritance as children of God. And what an inheritance that is that we share. So, two different roles, but the Lord had, had a, a purpose for both of them. One more prominent, one not so much in one sense. Now, I love what we hear from Epaphroditus through this passage. He says, he was one who, who ministered to my need, Paul says. And um, so, so to Paul, he was a fellow soldier. To Philippi, he was the one who ministered to Paul's need. But look at what Epaphroditus went through as he served the Lord. Verse 26, he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I send him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Um, Epaphroditus was a faithful man. He continued serving the Lord no matter what came his way. No matter what came his way. And he worked as an incredible team with Paul. You know, we might be harvesting in, in different parts of the fields, but the harvest is the same. It's the same crop, and we have over us the same master. And, and this brings me to another point. We really need to appreciate the differences of giftings that the Lord has given to the church and to each of us individually. Because not all of us have the same gifting. And that's okay, and I encourage us to not spurn the gifts that God has given to us, not in the sense that we don't want the gift that he's given to us, but we want something that someone else has that he hasn't given to us. But that's not, the Lord has given you that gift because he's given it to you. He wants you to work in that way. He wants you to minister in that way. To Paul, he gave the, the gifts of being an apostle, uh, an evangelist, one who declared the word, the, the gift of prophecy and many others. And, and to Epaphroditus, he gave the gift of helps, the gift of encouragement. And both of these were working together for the glory of God. And I think sometimes we can think, man, I wish I had that gift. Or man, I wish I was doing that ministry. But don't long for another's ministry because... The Lord wants you where he has you. He's gifted you and me where he has you and me, respectively. And so let's appreciate the differences of the giftings that God has placed, specifically within the church for his glory. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has good works for you to walk in. So walk in them. 
Take up those gifts, as Peter says in 1 Peter 4, I don't know the exact reference, but be a good steward of the manifold grace of God that he has given to you. Don't allow that gift, don't allow those talents to sit up on the shelf and not be used for the Lord. He has created good works for you to walk in, so walk in them. He's given you gifts for power to walk in those gifts, so walk in them. Don't wish you were Paul when you're Epaphroditus. And don't wish you're Epaphroditus if you're Paul. Each had a a valuable aspect of of ministry, and they walked in love toward one another. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. You know, 1 Corinthians, um, Paul loved this church. (laughs) It gave him some trouble. They weren't walking very well in many areas. They were a really carnal church. And the thing that he says early on in 1 Corinthians, he says, because there was a division, like people were saying, oh, I follow Apollos, you know, or I follow Paul. And he's like, I'm glad I didn't baptize any, any of you except for this person and that person because we don't need that kind of division. He goes on to say, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants... And he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Some of us plant, some of us water, but we each have a role, and God is the one who brings the increase. So what does that mean for us? Just be faithful where God has put you. Be faithful in the things that he's given you to do, and walk in unity and love with one another as you do that. I mentioned this, but to the Philippians, so this is who Paul or Epaphroditus was to Paul. And to the Philippians, Epaphroditus was like their missionary. He was sent out on this trip to go meet Paul's needs, to, to bring money. And the word for messenger there in verse um, 25 is uh, also the word for apostle. It could be translated that way. Um, it, it's used here just to describe how, how Paul was sent out on mission from the church there. Um, not to denote the office of apostle in, in um, the, the official sense, like Paul was an apostle. And the reason that he came, it was a rather practical one. If you read it in, um, continue on in, in Philippians in chapter 4, it talks a little bit more about the financial gift that was brought. Um, but it was a really practical one. It was like bringing money and glad tidings from Philippi. But a deeper look at the word ministered, right? So he was your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. A deeper look at that word minister shows that this was more than merely an ordinary task that was being carried out. On the surface, it looked like it was really simple. And, you know, as far as a task is concerned, sure, maybe it was simple. But it was far deeper than just a task. One writer says the very u- word used for The word minister indicates that the task that Epaphroditus was viewed as one in which he and the church of Philippi through him rendered official and sacred service. And this not only to Paul, but to the cause of the gospel, hence to God himself. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that this simple act however easy or difficult it might have been for Epaphroditus, which seems it was quite difficult because he almost died. This was in service to the Lord. 
This just wasn't a task. It just wasn't a, a short trip here to, to bring money and glad tidings from Philippi. That might be the temptation. Well, wasn't he just a minister, a messenger, bringing money and glad tidings? And on the surface, I think it seems so. But we must remember that no work for God is as simple as it seems. No work for God is as simple as it seems. At the heart of everything it should be in service to the Lord is sacrifice and worship. Isn't this what the Lord has called us to? No matter what we set our hands to or our minds to or what he's called us to, it should all be done in worship and in sacrifice to the one who gave everything to bring us into his family. This, this is the proper response, by the way, to our worship, to, to our salvation, is to worship the Lord. And so, as we're encouraged so often throughout the scriptures, we are to live our lives in sacrifice to the Lord. And, and as, as tempting as it can be sometimes, even those small tasks that we have before us to do as we administer uh, a, a missionary trip or, or as we're sending emails or, or as we're emptying trash cans or vacuuming carpets or holding those children or teaching a Bible study or leading worship in a home fellowship or whatever it is, those, those smaller tasks, they're not just as they seem. They're holy to God. It's, it's service. It's, it's sacred, official worship to the Lord. And so whatever you find yourself engaged in, consider what you're doing, every aspect of it, even though sometimes it might not be the most enjoyable thing, I'm sure it wasn't the most enjoyable thing, walking 800 miles to Philippi, it was sacred service to the Lord, and it was holy unto Him. It's so with us as well. Anything that we would set our hands to, our minds to, in the kingdom of God, it's the Lord's, and it's holy. Treat it as such. It's a good reminder for me. It's a good reminder for all of us. It's unto the Lord that we do these things. It's not to an organization. It's not to another person, so to speak. At its courts, to the Lord. So do it as unto Him. Serve the Lord as we serve one another. So Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, we're familiar with that, those verses. That, you know, we, we lay our lives down and sacrifice to the Lord. But the other thing I think about, too, is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, is that we are New Testament priests ministering the, the, the New Testament sacrifices of worship and praise to the Lord. We've been given that, that privilege of, of the ministry to the living body of Christ. So all that we put our hands on, great or small in our estimation, it's a holy act to the Lord. Scripture calls them spiritual sacrifices. And as Paul would encourage the Colossians, he says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wherever you serve, whatever you're doing, do it unto the Lord in service to him. Do it unto him. Now, we read in verses 26 through 28, it's apparent that Word had come to the Philippians during this journey that Epaphroditus had become so sick that he almost died. And 
Word came back to Rome from Philippi that the believers were so concerned for Epaphroditus. So again, here we just see this love of the body of Christ for one another. They're sent out one, Paul's love for Epaphroditus. Paul was worried about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was worried about Philippi because they were worried about him. And um, he, he wanted them to know that he was doing well. So this is, this is one of the reasons why Paul sent Epaphroditus back with um, this letter to the church so that um, they could you know, calm the, the, the hearts of the Philippians. And you know, I, I can only imagine what that embrace might have been like to, to hear that Epaphroditus was, was almost dead and then he comes back with this letter from Paul and what that embrace must have, have been like. This phrase, sick almost unto death, it carries the idea that the anticipation from everyone was that he actually would die. Like, there was nothing that would stop it. It was imminent. Um, One writer says, it suggests that everyone gave up all hope that he would live. And so, you see this love, they're distressed because they heard he was sick, and it caused a heaviness to come upon the believers' hearts in Philippi, as well as Paul. So, that's why he dispatched Epaphroditus back with this letter. But the thing I want to draw from these passages is that when we set out to serve the Lord, sometimes there are calculated risks that we need to take in order to serve Him. And just plainly, there's difficulty that comes to our lives when we step out in faith to serve the Lord. I'm sure the the missionary trip didn't turn out quite like Epaphroditus thought it would. I'm sure he didn't set out thinking, you know, all right, I'm going to go here, here's when I'm going to get sick, I'm, I'm almost good, it's almost going to be the, the end there, but the Lord's going to save me and heal me and send me back. Like, he didn't have that all planned out in his mind unless the Lord gave him that revelation. But, but what he did know is, and of course, travel during this time, it was, it was really difficult, it was pretty dangerous, walking all of that way, traveling by sea was a, a big way of travel during this time as well, and we know even from the, the life of Paul, he suffered shipwrecks, so it was pretty dangerous to travel during this time. But Epaphroditus, he took a calculated risk. He said, okay, could things happen? Sure. I'm going to serve the Lord anyway. I'm going to go out in faith. He didn't know that this was going to come. And sometimes when we step out in faith in the Lord, whether it's a missionary journey like Epaphroditus or we're just stepping in to serve in a particular ministry the Lord has called us to, what happens is opposition comes because the enemy doesn't want you doing that. He doesn't want you ministering to the body of Christ. He doesn't want you edifying the church. He certainly doesn't want souls to be saved. He's going to throw things at us as we step out in faith and opposition will come. And because we live in a fallen world, things will just come at us anyway. But what I love from Epaphroditus is like, he was just like, okay, uh, glad that's behind me. I'm going to keep doing what the Lord has called me to. I've got to, I've got to take this to, to Paul there in, in Rome. I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to. And you know, there can be physical ailments or sickness that come to us as we step out in faith. It, it can happen. Do I believe it's always a result of spiritual warfare? I think it can be. Um, I don't think it always is. We live in a fallen world. There's sickness, and our bodies are, are subject to that. But I think in those moments, the Lord can leverage those things, or, or the enemy can leverage those things. The Lord can leverage them too for our good, but the enemy can, can sneak in those lies and those fears and we can begin to struggle with 
you know, pressing on in the Lord. And, and sometimes our, our bodies are limited such that we can't serve in a way that the Lord had us serving at one point in time. We, we serve the Lord where he calls us to when we can there. But you know, our fleshly desires for comfort and ease of life can distract us also. You know, I don't like traveling. I'm I like Epaphroditus. I would not have signed up for the 800-mile trek by foot. Uh, to That nope, that's not a... a, a trip I would want to go on, and this is something that I have had to battle with, too, at times in my life. There were times where the Lord had called me to go on a particular mission trip or something like that, and this is something I really wrestle with, like, well, but riding on a plane with my knees jammed into the seat back in front of me for 10 hours doesn't sound really appealing, and getting sick while I'm there, which usually happens whenever I travel, I get sick. It's like, well, that doesn't seem really, really appealing either. but I, I think it's what you want me to do. And it's, it's in those moments where we just, we have the opportunity to surrender to the Lord and say, yeah, I'd like to be comfortable. I'd like it to be easy, but I'm, I'm just gonna press forward in faith and trust the Lord on this one. And so maybe, maybe you have a ministry venture that's in front of you, or you've thought about a hypothetical, you know, like what if the Lord called me to do this? Well, pray right now for grace in those moments to go and faith to go, and the Lord will be faithful to answer that. As I mentioned, the enemy will hinder us from taking steps of faith or pressing through certain situations because of the lie that he, he brings to us. How about this one? Sometimes we will recoil and we will pull back from service to the Lord because we've been hurt by somebody in the church. We, we don't wanna go around those people or serve next to them because they've hurt us because of something they've said, whether it was intentional or not. I wanna remind you this morning that the Lord is worth your service. And, and Jesus didn't hurt you. And you're serving him. You're serving the Lord. And it doesn't mean to detract from, from something that maybe really was very hurtful. Or maybe the Lord has blown it out of proportion to get you to stop serving him, the Lord. Maybe the the enemy has done that. Surrender that to the Lord. We need to walk in love and and forgive. And, And if you have sinned against someone and you know you've done that to them, the word says go to them and be restored. If you've been hurt, the word says you go to them and be restored. The responsibility is always on our part to go and seek out restoration. So if that's the case, recognize it for what it is, is a ploy from the enemy to keep you from serving the Lord where he's gifted and called you to serve. And then step out in faith and serve him, trusting that the Lord will work through you. You know, the enemy can use division so easily to keep us out of the work of the Lord and we we have to, to have eyes of faith just pressing forward into all that he calls us to. So whatever the obstacle might be, press on in the Lord. Our resolve should be like Epaphroditus's resolve. If I'm able, I'm going to do it. There's nothing that's going to stop me. I'm going to do what God calls me to do. And just walk in faith. And uh, verses 29 and 30, we see really how Paul regarded Epaphroditus's ministry. It wasn't just a simple task. It was the work of Christ, he says. 
Verse 29, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So Epaphroditus, he was faithful to carry out the task that God had set before him to do. Even in the face of great difficulty, he just did what was before him to do. He was far more concerned with his mission and the welfare of others than for his own. And Paul said for the Philippians to receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all gladness and to hold such men in esteem, not because Epaphroditus was better than everyone else there, but he was just a faithful man. And the Lord loves faithful individuals who follow him. And that's, that's something to pattern our lives after. Get your eyes on a faithful individual who's just seeking the Lord wherever he has them. And, and esteem them, respect what the Lord is doing through them, and, and what a, a joyous reception that would have been for the Philippians to receive their brother back. There's another phrase that Paul uses. He says, he did not regard his life, and I, I know I've mentioned this, but he, he took that calculated risk. One writer says the, the phrase literally translated would be, he gambled with his life. He gambled with his life. And self-preservation is often the, the thing that we hear a lot from our culture and our age. Uh, protect yourself, and I think um, that's, that's something that we try and um, hold on to. I think there's, there's um, if we're not careful, this can be a prevalent idea that, that we allow into our lives to dictate our involvement in the ministry of the gospel and our service in the church. And if we're not careful, we find out that we're caring more about ourselves than we are the work of Christ and our own comforts and thoughts. And, and you know, we need to reject that if that thought is coming in because the most important thing for us to be concerned with is Jesus and, and fulfilling what he has called us to do. It's not our comfort. It's not our accumulation of wealth. It's not our rise and status before other people in the political or in the business world. We should be storing up those treasures that are heavenly and not the earthly treasures. So commit your mind to doing that and reject those thoughts. And I love this because Paul recognized in verse 30, he says, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. Epaphroditus wasn't just carrying money. He wasn't just carrying glad tidings. He was doing the work of Christ, and Paul recognized it. Paul recognized that this was a holy act to the Lord. It was important to the gospel efforts for Paul. It was important to the ministry efforts of the church at Philippi. It wasn't a small thing in the sight of the Lord. Now, this is the only account that we have in all of Scripture for this man named Epaphroditus. We don't see him mentioned anywhere else. But I love what we can glean from his life. It's so simple, but, but these simple truths are the ones that we should live and abide by even today. Now, his role in the church of Jesus Christ was not as in front as Paul. It wasn't as in front as Peter, or James, or John in the early church. He's not as well known. Who knows what the Lord called him to go on and do? But so far as we know from Scripture, certainly wasn't as prominent as Paul. However, he's known by Paul as a brother, a fellow worker, 
a fellow soldier. And his role in the body of Christ was significant to Paul and even more so significant to the Lord. It wasn't lost on the Lord what Epaphroditus was doing. He was just being faithful where the Lord had called him. And some have placed too heavy an emphasis on prominence and service to the Lord. But we should not confuse prominence with significance. Because wherever the Lord calls us, it's significant service to Him. It, it might not be prominent, but that's okay. The Lord allows prominence for some, and He allows others to serve in, in a behind-the-scenes way. But that's okay, because the goal is faithfulness and significant ministry in the kingdom of God, not prominence. You can have great significance in ministry and service without ever having prominence before others. And it's so pleasing to serve the Lord where he calls you. And if you aren't serving the Lord, you're missing out. You're missing out on what, what privilege and pleasure it is to serve the Lord. If you're not using the gifts that he's called you to use, step out in faith and use them. And, and in one sense, I mean, it does matter, but in one sense, it doesn't matter where the Lord calls you to serve. Wherever he calls you, he's going to equip you and, and give you the power and the strength to accomplish what he calls you to. One writer says, to preach the gospel is the work of Christ, certainly. To introduce Jesus Christ to a people who had never heard the gospel is the work of Christ most assuredly. Is to cook a meal and take it to a shut-in, the work of Christ. That's what Epaphroditus did. And Paul does not distinguish between his work and the work of Epaphroditus. They were both doing the work of Christ. And if you're wondering whether or not what you're doing in service to the Lord matters, it does. It does matter to the Lord. It's ministry and worship to Him. A couple of people from the New Testament that I didn't mention earlier, but I just think of these examples. So Epaphroditus is one. How about Dorcas and Tabitha? She was skilled in making clothes. And I just picture her as like this like grandma, you know, who's like, I don't know if she was old, but I, that's just in my mind. She's like this grandma who's, you know, spinning clothes together and just, just providing for needs there. And when she died, the church was like, oh, oh we, there's such a ministry that was here that we miss. And, and we know that she was revived and she continued ministering, but... Just think about that. She made clothes. And that, was, that wasn't the ministry that Paul had. He wasn't Paul the knitter, right? You know, he was, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And, and I, he made tents, so I don't know. He, he's probably more familiar with, with sewing fabrics together than... But um, what about Tychicus? That's a fun name to say, Tychicus. He traveled with Paul, and he brought letters to Ephesus. We don't know much else about him, but he was faithful and the Lord used him. Um, how about the seven chose to serve the, the widows in the early church? We don't know much, but, uh, but about Stephen and Philip, I think, but we don't know much beyond those two. Who were the others? We don't know. They were full of the Spirit and served where the Lord called them to, and so they were faithful. These and others, they didn't have the same task that Paul had, but it was significant ministry that God had given them to do. 
And I want to encourage us this morning, we each play an important role in the body of Christ. Our functions are different, but each function is significant to the health of the body. Your role right now might be more concealed, or you may serve in a more visible role. Whatever it is, we have the same responsibility, like Paul and Epaphroditus, just, just to, to serve in that same part of the field that the Lord has given to us. We might have different roles, though, and we're to do it with gladness and be faithful to carry out the ministry He's given us to do. We should never spurn the roles that God gives us to serve in. We've been given place by Him to serve Him in the body of Christ. Whether you play an instrument or vacuum the carpets, whether you teach a Bible study or pray for those ministry efforts, whether you switch cameras or you greet at the door, whether you're a missionary or a pastor, you have a vital function in the body of Christ. What we can see from Paul and Epaphroditus is that they both knew the responsibility they had in serving the Lord, and they took it seriously, and so should we. Effectiveness in ministry is not tied to how many people you serve per se, but it's in your faithfulness to the task that God has called you and to the task that God has called me. And that can be a scary thing, because it's like, all right, Lord, you're calling me to do this. How's this going to work? I don't want to fail. Listen, outcomes in ministry are left to the Lord. He's the one who gives the increase. Our part is to be faithful. He's the one who does the heavy lifting. If you're a fan of basketball, uh, you'll probably recognize this reference, but it reminds me of Bulls rookie Stacey King in the game where Michael Jordan scored 69 points. He says, I will always remember it as the night where Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. And isn't that what, like, the service of the Lord, like, we have one point to give, and that's faithfulness. That's our one point. The rest, it's up to the Lord. And, and He will work and move as we are faithful to serve Him. Here we are. The Lord is accomplishing the work, and we have one point to offer, and that's faithfulness to him. The worship team can come on out here as we close, but I just want to allow for a few moments here as we reflect, as the Lord has been speaking to us, just reflect. Um, maybe you have allowed the cares of this life to consume and dictate the terms uh, of service to the Lord, and maybe you just need to con confess afresh this morning your need for the strength of God and for you to move forward in serving him. Then do that as we take a moment here to, to just reflect and allow to, the Lord to work in our hearts. And you know, maybe you've been consumed with pursuing your own desires and neglecting that call altogether of God to serve. Then confess that to the Lord and, and ask Him for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit to, to go and to serve and, um, and to minister where He's called you. And maybe you have been serving faithfully, and the Lord might call you to another area. Well, continue following the Lord and serving Him faithfully, but maybe you just recognize, I need the Lord. I need His power for, for where He's got me, and uh, you just need a fresh touch from the Lord this morning. Then call on His name to empower you anew this morning with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're in here, and you don't know what it means to serve the Lord because you haven't received him as your savior, but you see just the joy that comes from serving the Lord, then your step is to place your faith in the Lord. He died for you, for your sin, scripture says. 
and he rose again, and, and he wants your heart. He wants to change you and forgive you of your sin and, and give you a purpose. And maybe you find, I need a purpose. The Lord has a purpose for you. Give your life to him. Scripture says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And call on his name. Ask him, Lord, forgive me. Save me, change me. Use me for your, your kingdom. Let's take a moment here and just allow the Lord to work in our hearts. And if you need to confess something, confess to him. If you need to believe for the first time, believe on the Lord and be saved today. thank you for the incredible privilege it is to serve you. That you've given us and created works for us to walk in. We don't deserve to be saved, let alone to be involved in your work, but you've made it so. So we thank you. Help us to be those good stewards of the gifts that you've given to us. Be like Epaphroditus, serving no matter what, not allowing anything to come in the way of what you've called us to. Forgive us, Lord, where we have have uh, not done this. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that picks us up and sets us on our feet and brings us along. And so we pray that as we go from this place, Lord, you would fill us with your spirit to do all that you call us to. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.